Well, boys, what are you going to sing? The squeezer was not any use. A lemon without any juice. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. And you're listening to Boo to a Goose, a podcast about idioms, expressions, and slang. From across the pond. This is going to be a good one. I hope so. This is one I literally had never heard before. Yeah, so um, it came up because we were actually on a Zoom with one of our friends, um, our dear friend Chris. He worked on cruise ships with us. Yeah. And he Chris said Fleming, he's a, magi- he's a virtual magician. Yeah, he was testing out some tricks on us. What yeah. a cool life we it have. It was very cool. Um, yeah, so if you're looking for a virtual magician, Chris Fleming, and he's also British, and he used this phrase. Yeah, he said he was talking about how um, he's been doing well. Luckily, with the COVID pandemic, he's been doing. He's managed to take his all his magic tricks online. Mm-hmm. This is turning into a promo for Chris Fleming, but it's Which not is meant fine. to be. Um, and then he <laughs> said, "Oh, who am I? I keep talking like I'm living the life of Riley." And Jacob didn't respond and just kept talking. Didn't and clock it. I noticed that he said it and I thought, oh, I know what he means. And then I thought, oh, Jacob probably doesn't know what he means. No idea who Riley is. So when we got off the call, I asked you and you were like, I don't even remember him saying that, which is hilarious and made me wonder how much of what I say you understand and what you don't and what you just blank out. I mean, I, I nod a lot. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm, I'm pretty appreciative of our of the conversations that we have. Yeah, sure. I, just, <laughs> I, I wonder how much you actually understand. Seeing yeah. that from like the third perspective, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, when when from context, okay, well, this is this is when we get to play my favorite game, which we don't do as often anymore on this podcast, where I just have to guess from context what I think it means. Yeah, what do Look you at me like means? I'm living the life of Riley. Look at me like I'm living the life of luxury and decadence and amazingness, right? Kind of, yeah. Okay. It it doesn't necessarily mean like decadence. It doesn't necessarily have the connotation of wealth. Abundance. Or abundance. Okay. Um, it more means that you have an easy and pleasant life. It's less tied sure. to money, but I suppose if you have a lot of money, you probably have an easier life. Right. So in that respect, yeah. But it just generally means like a pleasant life, an easy life. I mean, Collins Dictionary defines it as um, if you say someone is living the life of Riley, you mean they have a very easy and comfortable life with few worries. Okay. So it's more to do with like not having anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. Like Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, Timon and Pumbaa yeah. definitely have the life of Riley. Okay. I'm just trying to think of like people who are like not, you know, uh, terrifically. Like my first thought was um, uh, the Nihilists from The Big Lebowski, which is not the best example for anything, really. <laughs> unless you were like, name a film role that Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers has done. Um, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I definitely say Timon and Pumbaa live the life of Riley. I yeah. mean, you could... You could say it's it's a rich person as well that lives the life of Riley. Like, sure, someone who no just worries. their 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 ish is taken care of. Yeah, they don't need to have any problems, any stress. Yeah, they're just living the life of Riley. Living the life. Everything's going well. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. Hakuna matata. Hakuna matata. Wait, what does that mean? It means no worries. Oh my God! I thought you were being serious. Are you? Do you look me dead in the face? <laughs> I knew, ah oh man, I knew you were screwing with me. I should like, I was like, you gotta be, you gotta be joking me. My goodness, I can't. Oh my god, I can't believe you had me for as long as you did. I forgot for a second. I had to sing the song to remember. Liar, <laughs> liar. No, I did. I forgot. No one who's had as much exposure to children's films as you could. Oh, I, I don't remember what Hakuna Matata means. Uh, oh, I just forget. 
What's that it's from? It's a problem the, the, free. The, 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 the tiger queen. What the is philosophy. it? What? I was trying to think. Oh, see, I thought of. I thought it'd be funny. The Tiger was, Queen just sounds like a really camp version of the documentary series, The Tiger King. So I was gonna say the Tiger King. <laughs> what was that from the Tiger King? But that's a, a thing. That's that a thing. People know about. Yeah. <laughs> what a summer. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so, so let's what, get into the origin. Yeah. What I think. Well, before we who get who is to, Riley? That's a very good question. We will get into that. But before we get into it. I think it's interesting you haven't heard of it. Okay. And the reason I think it's interesting you haven't heard of it is because it's a common expression on both sides of the pond. Really? Yeah. It's a super common, like, I don't really use it, I must admit, but like people in England use it and it has usage in the United States too. Sure. And the reason I know this is... Well, there was that, that movie with the kid on the boat with the tiger. Wait, what? The Life of Pi? Wasn't the tiger's name Riley? No. Okay. Stop bringing tigers into this. There are no <laughs> tigers related to this. Keep your tigers in your pants. I don't know. Look at me. I'm the Tiger King now. Oh, God. What accent? Don't do accents. That was the guy from, uh, what's his name? Uh, Captain Crunch. What's was, the movie? It was on a line. <laughs> it was on a line. Fine. Um, no more accents. Starting tomorrow. Ever. Uh, so the reason- I can't quit cold turkey. The reason I say that it's very commonplace, I'll give you some examples about how it's commonplace. So, for example, in England, we know it's commonplace because it's actually a pretty famous song, well, fairly famous, by a British band called The Lightning Seeds. Um, It's from 1992 from their album Sense. It got to 28 on the UK single chart, so it didn't do amazingly. Should we drop a clip from the song here in the episode? If you know how to do that, I I, I did it before. I've done it in a previous episode. All right, then. Do they say the phrase, the life of Riley in the song? I don't know. I only listened to part of it. The reason it's famous in England is not because it was a song that everybody loved. It's because Match of the Day, which you probably don't know what that is. No. Match of the Day is um, a football TV show. that About football matches? About football matches that summarizes all the matches from... I guess the day? I don't <laughs> know if it's a weekly thing. I never watch it. And it I mean, how often are football it. matches? I feel like they're too often. I'm going <laughs> to say that much. Yeah, there are a lot. Right. There's a lot. Um, so we're going to get a message from your dad from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> correcting me. <laughs> I think you'll find. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't watch it. The only thing I know about Match of the Day is that if I'm in male company and they have it on, I'm just bored out of my mind. But it just summarizes the football matches. It's like the recaps, the best game. moments. Yeah. It's like NFL Red Zone. And they put like montages together and they play music to them. Sure. Um, That's. I mean, if you're into football, that sounds pretty great. Yeah. And this is one of the songs they use for one of their like montages. Okay. Then here's a clip from that song now. Wasn't that great? Oh, fabulous. Uh, yeah. Um, great. So that's the song they played to celebrate football. Um, and before we even get to that, I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this um, who maybe who are older than me and Jacob and going, you're not talking about the famous thing. I'm getting there. So the other thing is, and why I say, you know, it is famous on both sides of the pond, is that it was a very famous American radio situation comedy series of the 1940s 
which was then adapted to a feature-length film in 1949, hmm. and then adapted to a 1950s TV series, hmm. and then adapted to a 1958 comic book. So the fact you've never heard of it is pretty surprising. Whoa! I'm disappointed in your comic oh, book knowledge. It's comics. Yeah, that's and, the one thing I know. And you didn't know. Oh my god! The, the comic was called The Life of Riley. Yeah. Do you? And uh, you've never heard of it. Do you know who publishes comic? No. Oh, okay. Why would I know but that? But it was a British comic. No, it's American. It was what? A, it was an American radio um, comedy series. It was an American feature film. It was an American TV show. I think it was on an NBC called The Life of Riley in the 1950s. And it was made into a comic. I presume the comic's American too, because, you know, it's all based on the same story. I don't really catch what the story was about, but it's I'm a looking, thing. I'm looking this up on my phone right now. Yeah, American comedy series, see? I'm looking up Life of Riley. I just want to know who put out a Life of Riley comic. He, he's so disappointed that he, he doesn't know about the comic thing. This is the thing that I thought was funny. It was on ABC. And I kind it was of, on ABC and later it was on NBC. This is wild. I kind of put you in a little bit of a trap there too because at the beginning I made you repeat that you'd never heard it. You said that like five times. Oh my God. Television. Yeah. Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason from The Honeymooners. What? It okay, was a big me, thing. Okay, I'm scrolling through. I mean, to I be fair, it. it's not like you lived through it. Oh, Dell Comics. Okay. So, um, just very brief. I'll keep this to less than 30 seconds. Dell Comics was a comic book company that essentially just published media properties in little one-shot issues. So they'd be like, all right, let's see how a Life of Riley comic would do. So they put out one. They put out four issues over the course of just the year of 1958. So it wasn't like a series. It was kind of just like they did make comics. But they made comics of basically every TV show with yeah, any level of popularity. Do you, know what you're, do you know what you're forgetting out of all this? You hadn't heard of it. Yes. That, that, that yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, going through, and I worked at the comic book store, Escapist Comics, po- Escapist Comics. We also have a podcast that I do, the Escapist Comics podcast, if you want to hear me talk about comics exclusively. Okay, we're just advertising this time. This is a great this, episode. Yeah. We're going to make so much money out of it. <laughs> no one's paying us. Um, I, uh, one of my big jobs, they were posting stuff to the eBay store. I would go through the vintage books, like the 40s, 50s, 60s books, and I would see dozens of books published by Dell and Goldkey based off sitcoms that stopped airing around when my dad was born. Hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of these. So, yeah, Life of Riley as a comic completely makes sense. But I am more surprised because I did do a weird deep dive into Jackie Gleason about a year ago, just mm-hmm. learning about the dude. Um, and you. Why not, if you have time? Yeah. Sure. He, he's very interesting. That's just a bit random. He was a jazz musician who oh. didn't know how to read, a music, read music or play an instrument. He would just hum tunes and make musicians adapt to them, and he made money doing that. That's also, he cool. started on The Honeymooners. That's pretty cool. Um, Getting back to the life of Riley. Yes, correct. So what's interesting is, you know, there's evidence of it in popular culture, you know, right up to today, into the, well, into the 90s at least, and then, you know, Chris Fleming using it in a sentence. Right, in 2021. Yeah, and a lot of uses in, you know, the 50s and 40s and, and, and so forth. But the question is, is it a US phrase or a UK phrase? Great question. British or American, do you want to take a guess? Uh, well, I mean... Because of all the American stuff, I feel like the the obvious guess is American. All right. Okay. We'll see. Um, Well, you already... Never mind. (laughs) There's two questions when we look at the origin, right? Right. The first question is, is it American or British? And the second question is, who's Riley? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You asked me that earlier. Um, So there's a bit of dispute about the origin, okay? Um, And people have been disputing this for quite some time. Um, There's a few guesses on the origin, so I'll just put them forward. No one knows for sure. Um, some people think it might be, um, like in reference to an American poet 
James Whitcomb Riley, um, who was around from 1849 to 1916. And he wrote sentimental poems about young boys lazing around the, in the sun without a care in the world, barefoot, you know, swimming in rivers and fishing. And so some people think that this kind of like idea that he cooked up in his poems was similar to the phrase, the life of Riley, this like idyllic life. Mm-hmm. And therefore they think the phrase might have come through people reading his poetry because his, his last name was Riley. Makes sense. Makes what, sense. What year was he? Sorry. We're looking at 1849 to 1916. Okay. We're looking around that time period. I mean, if you look at the popularity of the phrase itself, um, it becomes very popular in World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of evidence of it being used in letters from um, military servicemen home to their, I don't know, doting... Spouses. Spouses. Yeah. I was going to say wives, but, you know, they might have had, you know male partners um, but yeah that so it, it is used around that time um but it's i don't know it's a bit it, he doesn't the for example the poet doesn't use that phrase shall we say so it's a little bit of a jump and an assumption to say that it was born out of just this this poet and mm-hmm. and, and his style of writing or, or what he writes about um a stronger argument someone might might suggest would be um, that it might refer to a character that's mentioned in a song. So there was a song in 1883. So we're going back, you know, similar time period, but um, to our poet. 1883, there was a song by Pat Rooney. And Pat Rooney was an Irish-American singer. And his song was, Is That Mr. Riley? And now we're looking at Riley spelt R-E-I-L-L-Y. More Gaelic, the Irish Right, play. yeah. I feel like that's more commonly... Like, Riley, as it's spelled in the title of this episode, R-I-L-E-Y is a first name, whereas yeah. R-E-I-L-O-Y is a last name. Yeah. So... Oh, um, my God. Can you imagine someone named Riley Riley? I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. Um, so, uh, w- the argument is that it might refer to a character specifically in that song, that the protagonist in that song, Mr. Riley, says that if he ever became president of the USA... Um, New York would swim in wine when the White House and Capitol are mine. So he kind of alludes to this um, life of a rich Irishman, um, which from what I read was quite popular for the Irish American music at the time, because a lot of Irish um, immigrants were kind of seeking this, you know, it's the whole thing around the American dream, right? Right. Um, and you have to remember that Ireland had suffered like severe bouts of poverty. You know, you had the famine and um, I mean, a lot of people in Ireland were still living in poverty. It was it was controlled by England. Mm-hmm. A lot of the wealth was leaving the country mm-hmm. and a lot of Irish men and women. Yeah, was was suffering with quite severe levels of hunger, poverty. Um, yeah. So, you know, when they came to America, there was this dream that they could build a better life for themselves. So. I think that's kind of reflected in this song. And that's where they're saying someone actually cites it as the origin and says that's where um, the life of Riley came from. Um, That, you know, could be true. But again, it's a little bit of an assumption, a little bit of a jump that just this one piece of media sent out this whole phrase. But it it could be. Um, If we look maybe just a couple of years later, there's another Irish-American song... um, Sing, is it so, singer songwriter um 
musician. Um, Certainly. (laughs) And a singer songwriter is likely a musician as well. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And he has, um, except for Jackie Gleason, (laughs) he has a song from 1897. So just a few years later, um, and the song is the best in the house is none too good for Riley. And it again kind of touched on the same themes. It elaborated on the whimsical idea of a wealthy Irishman. I love that it was whimsical at the time. Like, it's <laughs> such a crazy idea. A silly idea. An, an Irish person <laughs> owning a house. <laughs> and being treated lavishly. Right. <laughs> yeah. But again, and, and someone made an, in, like when I was looking this up, someone made an important point that like, this is a trend. So maybe it came from these songs and this like, perpetuation of this character called um mr riley who was suddenly living the good life and being treated well that's a possibility but the songs don't specifically say the phrase the life of riley they are like allude to a character called mr riley and like him living a better life but they don't use that exact phrase sure um so that's where it gets a little tricky to actually determine whether it comes from there or not um And again, are we talking about, and this is the argument, I mean, I just mentioned, you know, a poet and and an American, an Irish-American singers. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't really answer the question about, is it American or is it British? I mean, there's definitely, it seems to be an Irish link. Sure. That seemed to be pretty undoubtable. So again, not British Mm -hmm. Um, or from the UK for that matter. So we definitely think it's coming from somewhere in Ireland. Um, but was it from Irish immigrants that had already settled in America or was it brought to America from Ireland by the immigrants? That was where things got a little bit fuzzy in my research. Right. And also people weren't sure when I was, who were writing about it. Um, it wasn't recorded according to, uh, one source I read wasn't recorded in print in Ireland prior to 1918, so that made them think that it was more likely that it originated in um, America itself from right. Irish immigrants. Because um, it was discovered earlier. In... Yeah, because okay. it was, it, I mean, it was in those songs. Interesting. But in print, in America, the first printed um, thing that, that they could find was actually 1910 printed in a newspaper. Hmm. And we're actually talking about like the phrase, the life of Riley here. And it's used as if the reader knows the meaning. And they, they said that that, argue, they argued that that means that it originated in the US. Um, and they alluded to the idea that, you know, there were probably were more Rileys in New York City than Dublin at this point. Um, and many people were coming over from Ireland looking for a better life. And some may have found it, hence the life of Riley. Yeah, makes sense. So there, there definitely link, there were links there as well. Um, I actually went on, though, and read something about how it could have come from Ireland itself. Sure. Dating it a little further back. But things get a little sketchy here. Um, So see what you think about this. Okay. So one person was arguing um, that Riley was actually the hero of a popular folk ballad um, from Ireland. Yeah, that was when you said it at first, I sort of figured that it was a similar idea as like, call back to an older episode, Bob's Your Uncle, Mm. like this... There's some lineage that's sort of track trickling down. Yeah, so um, there is some evidence to suggest that it actually comes from a real person mm-hmm. um, called Willie Riley. Okay, another last name instance. Yeah, who lived in Sligo, Ireland, which is the county of Ireland. Gotcha. And um, 
yeah the the evidence to suggest that that this is the case um so we're going to go back a little little later there's some there's different parts of evidence if you can keep up with this timeline right so we have the doubly weekly nation which was a newspaper right in 1899, they printed a kind of uh, a story from um, Sir Charles Duffy, who was an Irish nationalist politician. And at the time, he says that he's recounting and talking about this ballad. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the ballad of Riley. He's talking about the ballad of Willie Riley. And he says that it's a real story from more than 60 years ago from when this was printed. So we're looking at like... I don't know, 60, like we're looking at the 1830s. Sure. Um, and he, so that's so probably is, taking us further back. We're counted 1899. This is when this was published. Yes, but he's right. saying that this was a story from over 60 years ago. Okay. So that takes the actual person, the Riley person, right. back to 1830 approximately. Sure. Um, and he, he says that it's based on a real story. Um, and the story is about a young Catholic farmer and a lady from, you know, a to-do family of high orange principles. Orange principles. Orange principles. Yeah. Um, you probably don't know this if you don't know much about Ireland, but orange principles, um, she would be from a Protestant, a wealthy Protestant family. Okay. Who, um, what was his name? William of Orange. Um, I don't know enough about the history to pretend that I do. Okay. But, um Basically, the association with Orange and Ireland is associated with Protestant roots um, and a lot of, you know, the takeover of Ireland from the um, Catholics that were living there. So, you know... So it has nothing to do with the fact that many Irish people would have a hair color that could be considered to be orange. Has nothing to do with that. Completely unrelated. Nothing to do with that. A remarkable coincidence. No, it doesn't. It has to do with the history and about the conflict in Ireland. It was just a last name. Orange. Yes, but then people took on, became part of, I think they're called the House of Orange or the Principles of Orange, where they believed that um, they had a right to the land as settlers that were bought there after. They were like a community, like a a house from Game of Thrones, so to speak. I mean, it's... Or like the house from the War of the Roses. I mean, kind of. It's it's to do with the troubles, right? It's to do with the fact that, you know, the Catholics were there and then the British said, no, this group of people are going to move in and, and they deserve your land. And, right, yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> please don't quote me on any of this. Uh, <laughs> this is not a history podcast. <laughs> it is a conjecture podcast with some fun history sprinkles. Um, I'm sure there's many people that know much more about it than, than me. We will feature your corrections. Shoot us an email. <laughs> um, so anyway, the point I'm saying is that you're looking at kind of a bit of a Romeo and Juliet situation here. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to the actual ballad, the first time we see the ballad printed is in 1899. But again, the ballad doesn't really matter when it was made because it's referring to something that happened earlier in history. Of course. And the ballad is referring to Willie Riley and he runs away with um, this young lady from... He's Catholic and she's Protestant and they run away together. But he gets caught and he gets tried for abduction. But the story goes that eventually they find freedom. They end up happily ever after with riches in his lover's arms. Oh, okay. So that... So now he's living the life of Riley. Now he's... Okay. But like... But the riches doesn't really have anything to do with the story as far as I can tell. He just like... Well, she's rich. Oh, right, right, She's rich. She's loaded. You know, like... You know... 
because at the time, a, a lot of the Protestants were the landowners, and sure. the, you know, so they the were life- the they were the bourgeoisie. Okay, so the life of Riley basically is this guy who you know had to overcome a decent degree of adversity, mm-hmm. but now he's living a comfortable life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there seems to be some um, evidence to support that this happened sometime in the early um, 1800s. Um, this, you know, they've traced it back to, to a family um, that lived there during, lived in Sligo, this area of Ireland, mm-hmm. um, where they had a daughter who was um, particularly wealthy. And this young man, Will, uh, Willie Riley, who who was fond of her. There seems to be some kind of anecdotal or circumstantial evidence to suggest that this could be based on some truth or at least some real figures mm-hmm. that existed at that time. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So how it made its way, I mean, I guess it just made its way across this idea. It wasn't mm-hmm. put in print or in, you know, in song or anything until much later. And then it made its way across the, the pond. <laughs> so it so the idea that it is at all tied in with this poet that you mentioned earlier, this guy who who lived from the mid eighteen hundreds to the early twentieth century. It seems unlikely. It would be in complete contradiction to the evidence from the songs and the evidence from uh, the ballad. Right, but like, okay, yeah, I'm just thinking that there's a possibility. Let's say yeah. a possibility that this guy existed while this saying was already somewhat popular. And then they sort of got lumped into one another and sort of one boosted the other. And then this created... Because his last name was R-E-I-L-L-Y, right? R-I-L-E-Y. Oh, that's... Okay, what about the the guy from the um, epic, from the folktale, the ballad? The guy from the ballad... um... Is it known? I guess if it's oral tradition, there may not be a particular spelling associated with it. No, there is. That's R-E-I-L-E. E-Y. Okay, so not spelled the way that, not to say that this is necessarily the Americanized the way. The Americanized way, the, yeah. the American radio show slash sitcom slash four issue comic yeah. book series way. So I would I would argue that it, it's possible that it's, I mean, clearly, largely the saying was created in conjunction with the ballad, but then this poet became fairly successful and established and wrote on themes similar to what the life of Riley was about. But he didn't write about anyone called Riley. He no, was called Riley. He was called Riley. But it's like living the life of what Riley describes. I mean, maybe. I think it's... Uh, my take on it mm-hmm. is that the the poet is just conjuncture. It, it, there's not much evidence. Someone's just made an assumption. But right. that this is a real thing that happened in the early 1800s. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't be sure of a date. 1820, 1830. Later on... You know, it created enough kind of rumor for it to be used in in popular talk. Like Bob's Your Uncle was used. This mm-hmm. would be used. The Life of Riley is used. And that inspired this ballad because, mm-hmm. you know, it was a folk tale. And so the ballad was written in 1899. It was obviously a very well-known ballad because the politician in the newspaper says everybody knows this ballad mm-hmm. and everybody knows it's based on a real story. Mm-hmm. But similarly, at the same time, we had... Irish immigrants in America singing songs, you know, creating music in 1883. And um, that was Pat Rooney. And George Gaskin was in 1897. So, you know, that's actually before this ballad was written. But it doesn't mean that they don't know the story before the ballad. 
It doesn't mean that this wasn't a common folklore that people told about, you know, this kind of Romeo and Juliet kind of thing with the Protestant and the Catholic and overcoming adversity, him getting caught, and then somehow, you know, the their troubles turn and, and he gets to live this luxurious life that he, he never would have been presented as a Catholic in Ireland mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. that time. So I feel like there's more of a connection between those kind of origins and themes. Right. Um, and that the the kind of idea that it came from this poet is a little random. I'm just saying it's coincidence. Like yeah, a, it's a, a, fun, yeah. a fun little conjecture. It like, is. Yeah, like these and two things. And some people believe that, that that's how, where it came from. Because the poet was producing work around when this publication in the that newspaper happened. Yeah, I mean, the poet was from... It's, it's around the same time as well that the songs were printed, the publication in the newspaper and the ballad. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at 1849 to 1916. Right. So it's all similar timing. So we can't really say, oh, this person's out because, you know, on sometimes we're like, they said it could be this, but we check the dates. It doesn't work. Right. It, everything's around the same time. Yeah, it's a little murky. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's possible that like one person who was familiar with the ballad went up and said, you know, just me living the life of Riley. And another person who was familiar with the works of the poet went, I know exactly what you mean. Without <laughs> either of them knowing that neither of them were talking about the same thing. That's true. So they, the saying, and then the saying, because the saying basically meant the same thing, it sort of bolstered and bolstered and it became this kind of double thing i don't know i mean i think I mean, the phrase the, the great thing about this and looking at the history and origins is you know a lot of it is conjecture a lot of yeah. it is kind of some, some assumptions being made like you know you can keep digging and some people find more evidence and some people oh say you know find a little bit more of the story mm-hmm. but you can never really know for sure yeah so, it'll always be a little mysterious I you're think that's allowed to cool. have your own opinion on of it of course yeah yeah so choose your own adventure. Choose your own origin. <laughs> if I have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. That's also a comic book <laughs> reference. That's the Joker. Uh, yeah, well, you don't know everything about comic books, do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, there's a, a little mini boo to a goose that I would like to do. Um, this one was requested by my good friend Dan West. He sent me a message the other day saying, what does what a ledge mean? Oh, yeah. And then yeah. I answered it. Yeah. It's just short for legend. So if somebody, that's it. In, in context, it's like, oh man, you just drank a whole pitcher of beer by yourself. What a ledge. As if to say, what a legend. What a cool guy. What an awesome thing. What context was it being used when he asked you about it? I'm trying to remember. Wasn't it on the British Bake Off? Yeah, I think he's heard someone say it on uh, GBBO. They called somebody a ledge. Yeah. And he's like, what does that mean? Yeah. It means great. It means great. It means you're a great person. Uh, er, if you look it up on Urban Dictionary, the Urban Dictionary definition is not a fan of the kind of people who say this thing. They say that it's a, a trashy term used by dorks and nerds. That's not uh, exactly their term. Rude. Oh, my friend groups use that. Maybe that. Maybe it's one of those things, though. It was very popular within my age bracket of mm-hmm. slang. Like when I was at uni, everyone would be like, what a ledge. Like yeah. it, and when I was at co- college, people would say it all the time. So maybe it's just out of fashion now. And they're like, just the old people say that. The thing about Urban Dictionary is that the definition is written by whoever got there first. Yeah, that's true. So it's not the most reliable We know source. I don't trust it. Right. Yeah, after your experience. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but that is uh, our little episode for today. Yeah. So uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast and also leave ratings and reviews, uh, you can also send us an email. Uh, on the internet or you can like our Facebook page just search for Boo to a Goose on Facebook and like the page and you get updates every time we post an episode or if we find funny things on the internet that are related to what we talk about great oh and tell your friends yes tell your friends about this episode and about any other episodes that you would like 
Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of Boodoo Goose. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Jacob. And I'm Annie. And remember... Nobody says potato. is produced by Will Scoville as a part of the Comedio Network. Thanks to Hannah Wardle for the art and Max Abrams for the theme song, She Couldn't Say Boo to a Goose. Send any questions or comments to boo to a goose podcast at gmail.com. job than be a Pokemon master. Han Solo is clearly more attractive than Indiana Jones. I would take the Star Wars trilogy over the Matrix trilogy any time. The Legend of Zelda versus Super Mario. Who's better in bed, Jafar or Gaston? And would Thanos masturbate with the Infinity Gauntlet or not? Every week, Nerd Rage The Great Debates brings you the funniest comics, writers, and podcasters to settle some of geekdom's most divisive topics. Find us on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. <laughs>